All right, so in the last video, we left off looking at the loop method, which takes a block. And what will happen is that the loop method will continue to call that block of code over and over and over again. Um, in fact, it's a good way to get into what's known as an infinite loop. Um, for example, let's uh, in IRB here, let's say loop do, and then we'll just uh, tell it to puts uh, I'm looping just like this, and we'll end that off. Now, when we execute this code here, we'll see um, uh, a lot of output go by here. So we see that our screen filled up here. Uh, it doesn't look like it's moving, but in fact, uh, if I start scrolling up here and you see the size of the little scroll slider right here, uh, it goes quite a long ways. And we are now stuck in what is known as an infinite loop. Uh, and you can see, now you can see the slider moving because it's still going and going and going. Um, so what we've done here is we are continuously calling that block of code and it's just going to go on for eternity here if we let it. So uh, if you ever find yourself stuck in a situation like this in an infinite loop, uh, what you can do is hit control C and it will go ahead and terminate that and get you out of that loop. Um, and again, so we can see here, we, uh, we outputted that quite a lot of times here. So infinite loops are something that you want to be uh, mindful of. You don't want to get stuck with them, but if you um, find yourself in one, remember to control C to get out of it. Uh, one of the other things we looked at in a previous video was the times method. We looked at it very uh, briefly. So let's do the same thing, but times is a good way to um, do the sim a similar thing that we, as to what we just did, but not end up in an infinite loop. So let's just say, uh, say 20 dot times do, uh, we're not going to use the uh, block argument here. Um, the times method will yield, if you remember from the previous video, if you want, you can accept an argument into the block uh, to be used in the block of code, and it will be the uh, each iteration's uh, number variable that it's on. And remember, that starts at zero, so be mindful of that. But each, each time it calls the block of code, that number will increase by one. Uh, until we get up to until it executes the block code 20 times. We're not going to do that here. Let's just print out the same message and say I'm looping just like that. Or let's actually put the little uh, ellipsis dots at the end here. And then we'll say end. Now if we run this code, we see that it only executed 20 times. And then uh, times method doesn't call the block of code any longer. And it returns back to us the number 20, which is the object that we called the times method on. Let's look at another method um, that can take a block. Um, so uh, something that's somewhat similar to the times method here is the up to method. Now we can say one dot up to, and then the up to method takes an argument. Let's say 10 here. Okay. Um, one dot up to 10, and then this takes a block as well. So we'll say do in this case. And then um, let's just print out our message here. We can take the number again um, as a block argument, much like uh, we could do um, if we wanted to up here with the times method. We're not gonna do that in this case. Let's just say puts going up, just like that, and we'll end our block, okay? And then we see that it prints that out two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times. Uh, let's actually look at what happens if we pull the block argument um, in this case with the up to method. And let's look at an alternative syntax for writing blocks too. If you remember from 
yet another previous video, I mentioned that there's two different ways to write them. Uh, the first uh, was the kind we've been seeing the most here, the do end syntax. Really good if you have multi-line code blocks that you want to pass uh, into a method. The alternative syntax, uh, if your code can, is short enough to fit on one line, uh, is to use the curly brace syntax. So let's look at that now with the same example as before. So say one dot up to 10, okay? And then after this, we will declare our uh, curly brace block with an opening curly brace. And let's go ahead and take the block argument this time and just so we can see uh, what we uh, what the number is, what the starting point is. Is it the same as with the um, times method where it starts at zero or does it start at one? Let's find out. So we'll take the block argument there and let's just print that out actually, or let's put it out. So we'll just say, puts in and then we'll end our block with a closing curly brace. Now if we hit enter on this, we will see that uh, it starts at one and goes up to 10. Now it doesn't have to start at one. We could alternatively say, uh, let's start at five here and go up to 100, for example. So if we do that, let's run this code and see what happens. So we see we went up to 100, but we started at five in this case. So this is a handy little feature to know of the up to method. Uh, there's also a down to method uh, as well. So we could say, uh, let's go, let's flip this. Let's go back to 10. Uh, actually, let's change this to five. I'm sorry, because we're going down to, let's go down to two and we'll say 10 dot down to two. And we'll uh, puts out the number, the block argument here. And we see we start at 10 and we go down to two. So let's look at a couple of other options we have for looping. Um, we have while loops and also we have until loops. And basically those will uh, loop until a certain condition becomes either true or false. So let's look at the while loop first here. Uh, the way we set up our while loop is by using the while keyword, just like this, while. And then while uh, takes a condition and it will take that condition and evaluate it and use that result to decide whether or not to run the code within the body of our while loop here. So let's say, for example, let's just say while num is less than or uh, equal to 50, we'll just say puts not greater than or equal to 50 yet. Okay, just like that. And then uh, let's see what happens. As we saw previously, uh, a good way to uh, get our, yourself into an infinite loop is to forget right here to increment the variable uh, num um, before the, the loop restarts. So let's look at that right now. If we just hit in, or if we just uh, write our in keyword right here and hit enter, we're going to see that we are going to end up in uh, yet again another infinite loop. You can see over here uh, the scroll. Um, little slider over here is just going up and up and up. We are stuck in an infinite loop. So remember, we'll get out of that with uh, control C. All right, so I'm gonna clear my terminal here and let's rewrite that. Let's say while num is less than or equal to 50, we want to put uh, not greater than or equal to 50 yet, just like that. Now what we wanna make sure to do inside of here is to increment uh, the value that the num local variable is pointing to. So what we can do here is we can say num, uh, we can say plus uh, equals num plus one. We can do it that way. Oops, sorry, let me 
get my space in there. We can do it that way, or we can use the shorthand operators that we saw way in the beginning of the, of the uh, section here. I'm going to just say num plus equals one, and then we'll hit end. And now if we hit enter on this, we will see that uh, our code uh, correctly um, loops over the or given the value or the result of this condition here, right? So first time through, num is five. Num is less than 50 in that case, so that returns true. So while true, right, let's go ahead and print this out. And before we loop back, though, we want to make sure to increment that number so that we get closer to 50, right, each time. So we can see here that uh, we executed uh, that body of the, uh, the loop here a bunch of times, and then it just simply exits. I'm going to go ahead and clear out my terminal, and we'll look at the until uh, loop next. So we still have our num local variable here. Uh, it's set to 51, though, because so, we remember we incremented it um, all through uh, the, our last uh, bit of our while loop. So let's go ahead and reset it to 5 again and start over. Okay, so num is now 5, right? Now, uh, the until loop uh, uses the until keyword. So we would just say until... And then that also takes a condition. Now this time we want to say until num is greater than 50, execute the code that we're going to put inside the body of this loop here. So we'll say until num is greater than 50, puts not, let's just say not there yet. Okay, we'll end off our string here. And then we want to also again make sure to increment that local variable at the end of the loop here before it starts back over. Otherwise, we're going to end up in an infinite loop. So we'll say num, we'll do the shorthand again, plus equals one, and then we'll hit end, and then we'll enter that code. And we see, just like with the while loop, um, it looped until the condition was true. All right, so now let's talk a little bit more about blocks. So I'm going to clear out uh, my terminal here so we can get a nice blank slate to start with. Let's define a local variable called uh, nums in this case, and that's going to point to an array of integers. Let's just say one through uh, five here in this case, okay? So that we have our array here, and let's say we wanted to uh, go through this entire array and print out the, va the value of each element, or like print out each element, right? So one way we could do that is by using the each method so what we would do is we could say nums.each. Now each takes a block. Now we've seen previously that blocks uh, can be uh, written in two different syntaxes. Let's quickly review those again. So we can use the curly braces and then uh, it can take, uh, each can pass off a block parameter here. So we can say, uh, let's just say num in this case. Okay. And then let's just uh, put num and we'll end our block with a closing curly brace, hit enter on this, and we see that we go through each element in the array and we print out that element uh, to our terminal here. Uh, alternatively, we could do the do in syntax. We could say nums.each do, take our block argument again of num off and puts num, and then we'll do uh, make sure to add the end keyword right here. And if we hit enter on this, we get the same thing uh, as a result here. Again, uh, use case wise, if your code is short enough to fit on one line, uh, most folks tend to reach for the curly brace syntax. If you're going to do a lot of things inside your code block, 
uh, people tend to do the do in syntax so that they can put kind of each step on its own line, essentially. Now, what, let's talk about what code blocks are. Code blocks are essentially methods, but they don't have any names associated with them that they're nameless methods or nameless functions, right? And some of the nifty things about them is that um, they can be passed to other methods or they can be stored for later use. So let's let's say now that we have a um, an array called negative nums, okay? So we'll have a local variable negative nums that points to an array of negative one, negative two, negative three, negative four, negative five, right? So what if we wanted to uh, return an array of all of the positive um, associated integers here, right? So one thing we could do is use another uh, method similar to each. Now these are called iterator methods. They they sequentially go through a collection and go one element or key value pair at a time and uh, and do something with each element when past uh, a code block. All right, so negative nums array. Let's say we wanted to uh, get all of the uh, absolute values for each of these numbers, so all the positive versions, right? So one thing we could do here is we could uh, iterate over each element of this array and call the abs method on it. Now, let's say we don't just wanna print them out though. Let's say we want to have a new array returned to us of all the pa uh, positive value uh, versions of the numbers in this current array here, right? So what we can do is there's a method uh, that we can use uh, that the array class responds to called map. And it's similar to each, and uh, they're both iterator methods, right? So uh, whatever collection objects that these methods are called on, it will iterate through or sequentially go through each element in the collection one at a time. And now uh, what the nice things is, is that we've seen here, each element, when you pass uh, those iterator methods a block, each element gets uh, yielded to, and we'll talk more about the yield keyword uh, in a bit here, but it gets yielded to the code block so that the block of code can like run the code in the block against each element in the collection. So let's do what we were talking about a moment ago here. Let's just say uh, positive nums is going to be, uh, well, that's a local variable, we'll set equal to uh, the result of doing what I said a moment ago, of mapping over the negative numbers array, our negative nums array and calling abs on each element. So. We say negative nums dot map, and now map takes takes a block. Uh, let's do the do in syntax this time, or no, we'll do the curly braces. We haven't been doing curly braces much, so we'll do an open curly brace. We want to take the block argument here. That will be the current number that we are on in the iteration process. So num, we just want to say num dot abs, and then we want to end our code block with a co uh, closing curly brace, right? So if we hit enter on this, we see that the return value is an array of all of the absolute value or positive versions of the numbers that were in this array here. And just to be sure, let's look at, uh, let's call positive nums. Sure enough, we get back that array and let's look at negative nums. And we see that that contains the negative versions of all the numbers. We did not change or mutate the negative nums array. We returned a new array with the result of executing this code block here for each element. 
Now, one thing that's cool is that we can uh, define our own methods that take code blocks as arguments or that can take code blocks and, uh, and use uh, those code blocks within uh, our methods. So let's look at an example of that now. Let's say we have a method called uh, sum numbers. Okay, so we'll just say def sum numbers. Okay, and then the arguments that we want this method to take, uh, let's see, we want an array. I would just say R, A R R rather, uh, A R R of nums to indicate that we want an array of numbers passed in here. And then in order to set up um, our method here so that I could take a block, what we do is we give it um, a, a, a parameter name or an argument name, right? So we could say code block just like this. But what we need to do in order to indicate that this argument is a block here is we need to prefix this with an ampersand just like this and then let's go ahead and end our method off with the closing parenthesis and now we're inside the uh, body of the method so now what we can do is we can say arr of nums oops dot each okay just like this and then let's use our uh, curly brace syntax here so we'll open up a uh, uh, open up a curly brace here uh, we want to take the block parameter, which will be the number of the uh, that we're currently on in the iteration process from the each method. So we'll say num, and then what we want to do here is we want to now pass this number to the block, the code block that we're going to pass to the sum numbers method. So the way we do that is we say code block, which is referencing the argument name that we provided here. We don't uh, we don't use the prefix in this case inside the body here. What we do instead is we use the call method and then we can pass the call uh, method an argument. And in this case, we can use num, which is the block parameter here that is being passed in. And then we want to end off this code block for the each method here. So, and then let's go ahead and end our method here before we forget. Okay. And we now have that sum numbers method uh, defined. Now let's see how to use our sum numbers method here. So we would say sum numbers, just like we've seen before. Now the first argument to this needs to be an array of numbers. Uh, let's go ahead and use our negative numbers array here. So we'll say negative numbers, okay? Now you may think that you would do something like uh, add a comma and then maybe put a block of code in right here and say num and then puts num something like this and then end off the argument list but you can see already that uh the syntax highlighting has kicked in and uh ruby is not happy with us uh for doing things this way what you actually do is just like we saw here uh with the map method uh we actually just have the map method and then we pass the block after it so the way we write uh this right here is we would do uh end our argument list off with this closing parenthesis and then pass the block after that uh, right here. So let's just say do, and then we wanna make sure that we have access to the uh, number that is gonna be yielded to our block or given to our block or passed to our block. So we'll say num in this case here, okay? So we want to, uh, for every number that we get, let's just say we want to, uh, we want to print out the uh, absolute uh, value of that number. So we'll say puts num.abs and we'll end off that block and hit enter. And we see 
that we get the positive or the absolute values of all of the integers that were in this array. They were all negative, so we get all the positive values out of it. So just to recap that real quick, when we go to use our method, are any arguments that are not uh, prefixed with the block here, okay? And you can only have one of these prefixed with the block. It's not going to, you can't have a method that takes multiple blocks uh, at one call or, or during one call. Uh, only the, the arguments that are not prefixed with the ampersand here go inside your opening and closing parentheses after you uh, call your method. The block gets uh, gets written after or outside that closing parenthesis. In this case, we did the do in syntax. If we recall this, uh, we can put this all in one line here. Let's do uh, curly brace num. We'll end off our block argument there with the other vertical pipe, and we can say puts num dot abs closing curly brace, and we see that we get the exact same result. It just went ahead and called the abs method on each uh, num uh, variable that was uh, passed to this block that we passed to our sum numbers method. Now, an alternative way to do this um, is uh, we don't have to do this ampersand code block right here and then do code block dot call and pass uh, call uh, an argument. Another way we can do this is by using the yield keyword inside of our method. So let's look at that now. So we'll use the same uh, method as before. We'll use the same uh, same numbers method. So we'll redefine it's def same numbers, okay? And we still want that to take in an array of nums, okay? But that's all we're gonna do here in this case. And then we'll hit enter. We'll get inside the method body here. And then we wanna say array of nums, okay, dot each. And then each is a, a method of its own that takes a block, so we need to give it a block. Uh, let's open up one with uh, some curly braces here. So each, we're going to do opening curly brace to start our block here. Uh, we want to define a block parameter here. So we'll do a vertical pipe, and then we'll name it num, which will again represent uh, each element during uh, the iteration process as we loop over these things here in the collection of the uh, array of numbers. So. Now what we can do is instead of, like I said a moment ago up here, where we did the code, we defined the code block like this, and then we called it inside the method body, and then we called the call method on it, passed the num to it. Uh, what we can do instead is we can just say yield num, and we'll end off our uh, block with a closing, uh, closing curly brace here. We'll hit enter. Oh, I mistyped yield. Yield, uh, yield num end off our block. And then we'll end off our sum numbers method just like this. Okay, now we have it. And if we call, if we recall uh, the code before, we see that we will get the same exact result uh, to us. So it's two different styles of writing them. Uh, the yield keyword works just the same as if you have a code block being passed into it right here, and you call the call method on that block. And then you just have to remember to pass the uh, argument that you need or that you want access to inside this block to the call method. Okay, now I mentioned earlier, I believe that we can also store uh, code blocks for later use. So we're gonna look at that now. Let's say we have a local variable called print uh, capitalized name, okay? And then, so that's a local variable and we'll set that equal to a new proc object. So we'll say proc capital P, 
That is a built-in uh, Ruby class here. So we'll say proc.new, and then uh, we will pass our, a block to this. So let's just say uh, open curly brace. Uh, the block argument here will be, let's just call it name. And what we'd want to do is uh, puts name.capitalize, okay, with a capitalize method here, okay? So if we hit enter on this, we see that what we get returned to us is this proc object here, okay? Now, if we, if we just simply call print capitalized name, we can still see that it just points to our proc object. We can't, it's not executing the code block that we set up uh, here because we're not, uh, as we saw uh, in our first um, edition of the, our first version of the um, uh, some numbers method, where we uh, called the call method on a code block. We need to do that here as well in order for this to work. So what we can do is say print capitalized name dot call and then pass it call an argument. What do we want to capitalize? I'll just pass it my name for now, Colin as a string. And then we see if we run this code that it go ahead it will go ahead and uh, the argument that we pass to call will get sent down to our proc object. So it comes down here, right in here inside of this code block. It's held or referenced by this variable name here, this block argument. And then what we do is we just simply print out the result of calling name.capitalize. And that's what we get right here in this result. Now, one interesting thing that we can do is we can actually use this local variable and pass it to iterator methods like each and map and so forth and get it to um, appear to those methods as a block. So what we can do, let's say we have an array of uh, some names right here. Let's just say uh, Colin and uh, my good buddy Bob, uh, who I just made up. I do have a friend named Bob, uh, but this is not him. This is just a Bob. So what we could do is we can just say this array, and we can call the each method on it, and then uh, we can actually pass this local variable to the each method um, and make it seem like uh, we're passing an actual block to each, uh, because really we will be. And now we can actually use this local variable and get it to uh, come in as a block to the each method here. Now, the way we do that is uh, similar to the first version of the sum numbers method where we defined uh, that code block argument prefixed with the ampersand symbol, we will do the same thing here. So what we can do is we can say ampersand and then print uh, capitalized name just like this. Now if we hit enter on this, we see that we get uh, the result that we expected. It looped over this two element array of strings. Each one gets sent to the block that we pass to each uh, as this argument right here, right? This block argument. And then it simply just calls capitalize on it and it prints out that result. And that's what we see right here, Colin and Bob. And now similarly, we can use built-in methods uh, in a uh, similar way as this right here. So let's, uh, let's use that same array here. I'll say Colin and Bob, okay? This is our array. And let's say in this case, uh, let's say we want to return a new array of these uh, elements capitalized, okay? So we'll use map for that since map will return to us a new array. Uh, we will say, so that Colin Bob array dot map, right? And now what we would normally just do is uh, on, a, on a line right here, we'll just open up a curly brace. We'll say this is a name, right? And then we want to just say name dot capitalize, 
Oop, capitalize just like this, right? And I'll run this. We'll see that it works. We get back that array, two element array, and both names are capitalized. I'm going to recall that line, and I'll show you a uh, different way that we can use the built-in methods to shorten this up right here. So we're going to use something called the symbol to proc syntax. So what that's going to look like is we'll get rid of this block here. And actually to map, I'm going to uh, open up a parenthesis and I will do ampersand colon capitalize. There we go. And I'll end off that argument list just like that. And if I hit enter on that, you see that you see that we get the exact same result as we did on the line before. So what it's doing here is that uh, it is going to take this capitalized method and for every element that map as we iterate uh, through this array here with map every element is going to come into a block and have the capitalized method called on it and then the result of that is what gets uh, returned to us in our new array here let's go back and look at our uh, sum numbers method again here and uh, look at something you can run into when using uh, or when defining methods that take blocks or or using methods that take blocks and not passing them blocks. Let's look at that. So let's first do our sum numbers method. And then let's say that once uh, takes an array of nums and then let's use the uh, ampersand here and we'll just say code block just like this, right? And then we wanna say array of nums dot each uh, do will yield or uh, each method will yield to its block a number and then we want to say uh, code block dot call and then pass in that num to it okay and then let's end off our method here now uh, let's look, let's redefine our array here let's just say negative nums again is equal to an array of negative one to uh, let's just do negative uh, three numbers this time okay we'll do that and now let's go ahead and call some numbers okay Oops, some numbers and let's just pass in the negative nums array and no block and let's see what happens if we hit enter on this so if we hit enter on this we see that in this case we get a no method error so undefined method call for nil class no method error is the actual name of the error that was raised here. The reason that this happens is because when we went to go call our sum numbers method and we passed in negative numbers, we did not also pass a code block to our sum numbers method. So when the, uh, this method was being executed, this variable right here or the block was not existing. It was nil. There was no code block passed. So then we tried to call dot call on nil on the nil object um, and nil does not respond to call so that's why we get this error let's look at hap what happens when we do this um, using the yield method next so let's redefine our sum numbers method here we'll say sum numbers also takes in an array of nums and then oh in this case we don't want to do the explicit block in our argument list here instead we would just say ARR of nums dot each do num yield num and end off the block for each and end off this method. Okay, now let's try and call some nums uh, this way and let's see what we get. Okay, so this time 
we get a different error raised. So we get a local jump error, and it says no block was given for the yield. So we tried to yield to a block here, but there was no block given, so the code had nowhere to go. Um, we had nowhere to send this num variable to, right? So how do we get around these two things? Well, let's look at that next. So we can, we can get around uh, both of these errors in both cases by using um, a conditional check there and using a built-in method uh, that Ruby provides called block given question mark. It's a predicate method here. So let's look at uh, how we can use this in both cases here. So let's first go back to our original one, def sum numbers, where we defined a uh, array of nums, and then we did the explicit uh, argument here for a code block. Okay, and then we'll say arr of nums dot each, and then we'll open up our block that is passed to each. That will take the block argument of each number, uh, and then we could say code block dot call just like we did previously pass in that number to call and then at the end here we can use the modifier form of a conditional statement of a conditional if statement to check if a block was given so we can say if block given just like you see right here and then we can end off our block and then we'll end off our message here so again do this code if a block was given is what this is saying right here so now if we try to call uh, some nums and pass in that negative nums array and don't pass it a block we just get back the array uh, that was passed to the some nums method it doesn't we don't, we don't get the errors uh, because of the conditional check that we've added uh, that we've added of checking to see if a block was passed to the method we can do the same thing for uh, the previous one where we did not have the explicit um, block argument being passed in the, into our argument list here. So here we would do the same things. So after yield num, we could say if block given, just like that. Okay. So now we can say some num uh, some numbers. Actually, let's just recall right here, and we see the same behavior hap uh, happens. Uh, so and also just I think I mentioned this like you know offhand a little bit. But we've defined a method right here, right? And then we've redefined that method here. So when you do things like this, the wherever the method is defined later, whether it be in a program file uh, or an IRB right here, uh, wherever that method is defined later is going to overwrite the one previous, uh, previous, uh, previously defined. So, and we get, we'll see other cases of um, where we can overwrite methods from other places, like other files completely when we start talking about uh, inheritance and like modules and classes and stuff. Um, but we'll cover that in a future lesson. But I just wanted to point that out if I haven't already that um, when you redefine a method later in a program, it overwrites the one uh, before it, the definition before it. So to end out this video, let's look at one more way to create blocks here. So what we're going to look at now is something called a Lambda. Now it's similar to proc, uh, a proc object. They're both callable objects, essentially. They're both code blocks. Um, but we'll see, we'll look, take a look, a look in a moment, um, about some differences between them, but let's look at first, uh, a couple ways of how we can define lambdas. So we can use lambda like this. Oh boy. If I can type, uh, lambda method here, and that takes a block. So we can say do, uh, or we can do the curly brace syntax. Let's just do curly brace right here. And we'll just say puts hello. Okay. 
and will end off um, the block for uh, that lam the lambda method takes. And actually, let's save this uh, off to a variable. Uh, let's just call it. I don't know. I'll just call it. Uh, I'll just call it L for now. So L equals lambda do puts hello end. Okay. So if we hit return on that, we see that what we get back. Uh, is a, a proc object and we see that it says lambda over here in parentheses so uh, this is one way to distinguish like if it's a proc or a, a lambda uh, in this case it, this one is a lambda object if we do uh, proc.new and then block and inputs uh, hey right just like this we don't see that additional uh, note that is a lambda down here right so that's you know, a way that Ruby keeps track of what is, is what here, basically, right? So uh, now, just like uh, if we were to save uh, that proc object, uh, and remember, I, I think I showed you this way earlier on, uh, if you want to save the last evaluation uh, or the last expression evaluated, if you want to save that result to a variable after you've run it, uh, like we've done in this case, I'd like to save this proc to a variable. Let's just call it P. You can do P equals underscore. And that would be the last thing that was run. So you can see that these objects are the same things here. So similar to how we called um, in our code up here, how we have to call codeblock.call and you know optionally pass in an argument, we do the same thing for calling uh, lambdas as we do for calling these proc objects. So let's first look at the proc. We say p.call, and then it just prints out hey to the screen. Similarly, we can do l.call. And we can see that we get the uh, hello to the screen. So that's one way to define a lambda by using the lambda method and passing it a block here. Um, the other way to do it is by using something called a stabby lambda. So let's look at that next. So I'm going to say, let's make a local variable, he variable here called stabby lambda. Okay, and we'll set that equals to. Now, the syntax here is going to look... Uh, very different uh, from these two ways of creating uh, proc objects. So the way that this works is you do a dash and then a greater than sign and then you open up uh, curly braces. So like you do in keywords here, right? So let's just say puts uh, stabby lambda. Okay, just like this. And then we'll end off that. Okay, if we hit enter on that, we see that we get back a lambda proc object. Now to call this, just like before, we say stabby lambda dot call. Okay, and we see that we get uh, printed out to the screen here the um, string that we uh, told it to print out, stabby lambda. Now this syntax right here, you will see used very often in um, Rails when you're defining scopes for your model classes. Uh, so I definitely wanted to make sure to cover this syntax here. Let's also look at how uh, we can get um, arguments into uh, this syntax now. So let's make a local variable called, uh, let's just say greet person, okay? And we'll point that to a new little stabby lambda here that we're going to make, okay? And let's just, let's, before we look at how to uh, take in the arguments, let's just define kind of what we wanted to do, right? So we want to open up our curly brace here and let's just say puts hello. And then what we want to do here is like interpolate, uh, the name of the person that's passed into this lambda, okay? Oops, let me end off my string here and then end off uh, with that closing curly brace. Now, how are we gonna get this uh, name variable into this um, into this uh, string right here? 
So the way that we pass an argument in uh, to a lambda this way is back over here where we did the uh, greater than sign, the dash and the greater than sign, the arrow. That's the that is the stabby part of the stabby lambda uh, terminology there. So the way that we get an argument here is that we would open up a parenthesis and we just name the variable. In this case, we're calling it name. It can be anything you want there right here. You can write whatever. You just need to make sure whatever you name it here. Just like before when we've used blocks in the past uh, that you, in order to access that, that uh, variable or that argument being passed in, you reference the same thing, uh, the same name here and here. Uh, currently, we're not doing that, so let's go back to name. So say name and then put a closing parenthesis right there. And now if we hit enter here, we get our lambda proc object back. And now we can say uh, greet person and then dot call. And then we can pass in uh, a name here. So we'll say Colin in this case. And if we hit enter on that, we see that we get hello Colin, uh, as we would expect. Now what about passing arguments to uh, procs? Because we haven't looked at that yet. So let's say, uh, Let's make a local variable here called bid farewell. Okay. And then let's set that uh, to uh, point to a, a new proc object. And then we'll say, so we'll say proc.new, open up a curly brace here. And then uh, what we're going to want to do is we're going to pass, want to pass in a name, uh, kind of how we did up here when we go to call this. Now, the way we do that with a proc here is that we just define a, a block argument here. We'll just say name. And then we can say puts uh, goodbye, oops, and then we'll interpolate name here, close off our string, add a closing curly brace here, we'll hit enter on this, and now we can say bid farewell dot call, and then we'll pass in uh, my name again, we'll hit enter on that, and then we see that we get goodbye Colin. Now, let's look at a key difference here between uh, lambdas and procs, okay? Let's, we're gonna use these last two that we created here. So the greet person uh, and bid farewell, bid farewell, we're gonna use these two as both of these take arguments. So here's one, uh, a big key difference here between um, procs and lambdas. Uh, let's look at what happens if we say greet person, oops, dot call, and we don't pass any arguments. So here we see that we get an error for an argument error. Uh, we gave it zero arguments, but it was expecting one. Okay. Now let's look at what happens when we say bid farewell dot call and we don't pass it any arguments. If we hit enter here, we see that we get no error um, and it just prints out the string for us. And you know, the uh, block variable name in this case was nil. So it just doesn't put anything there. We just see our goodbye comma and that's it. So that's a big key difference. So the next difference we're going to talk about is how the uh, lambdas and procs handle the return keyword. So what we're going to do here is we're going to make two methods to illustrate this. So let's say def lambda return example, just like this. So let's say, let's start off just with a put statement. So we'll say puts inside method body. Okay. And then let's create a lambda here. I'm just going to say L equals, and we'll do a stabby lambda here. Uh, L equals, let's just say put, or no, I'm sorry, this is our return example. So we want to say return, let's just say return five. Okay. Now we want to make sure to uh, call this lambda inside the method here. So we'll say L.call. And then now let's write a put statement and just saying after uh, lambda uh, call. Okay. And then let's end this method. 
So that's our first one. Let's make the equivalent for uh, a proc object now. And actually, instead of writing that all out, I'm just going to recall this and make some changes here. Uh, so I'll say instead of after lambda call, I'm going to say proc call. Uh, I'm going to rename this to P. Same thing up here. We'll keep the same uh, return here, but we can't use, we're not going to use this stabby lambda syntax here. We'll use proc.new so that we can actually get the real difference. And then uh, we will go, uh, we'll rename this to proc return example, just like this. So let's double check ourselves. Def proc return example inside method body. That's fine to keep the same. P equals proc.new. We want to make sure to make a proc object and not a lambda object here. We still want to make sure to call it. And then we're going to try and print out after uh, proc call at the end here. So what we're going to see happen here is that uh, in the case of the lambda, uh, we will see that all of this code within this method body is going to run. Uh, so even though we call return right here, normally inside a normal method body, if you just say the return word, let's say we have a method that's five lines long, right? If you have a return statement on line three that, that will execute, um, when you hit line three there, it's going to return out from the context of that method, meaning the lines four and five will not be run, okay? Uh, however, we're going to see some interesting behavior here. In the case of the lambda, it is only returning uh, within the context of that lambda, and the rest of the methods, uh, the rest of the lines of code here are going to uh, run after we do this call right here. So we will see this put statement executed. However, in the case of the proc object, it behaves uh, much like the method uh, example I just spoke about. So when we hit uh, this call right here and it uh, runs this return five, we're going to exit completely out of the context of the method itself. So we will not see this line uh, run and print to the terminal here. So let's call these two methods. Let's do lambda return example. Okay, so we see printed to the screen, we see inside method body and after lambda call. Okay, so that means our code ran all the way through this whole method, right? So let's look at now calling uh, proc return example. If we do that, we see that all we get is the inside method body uh, line run and the return value from that method has been five, which is what we specified to return right here. Again, the reason we got nil though, in this first case when we called our lambda, uh, lambda return example, is because nil is the return value from a put statement. So even though we see something print out, printed out with puts, that is not the actual return value from puts, uh, nil is. So that's why we see the nil here, and then we see the five here because that was what we told this proc to return here. And when we called it, that ran, and we just printed out, or we just returned five, Print out that first line so we never hit this line of code here. All right, so I think that's where we're going to end our intro to uh, loops and blocks video here for this section. Uh, in the next section, we're going to uh, have our first look at writing our own classes. So I will see you over there.